Welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and each week I talk with event professionals about how they plan, promote, and run their events. We help you build your events empire by growing your business around live events. Whether you're running small meetups or conferences, trade shows, and concerts, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. This podcast is sponsored by EventsFrame. Check it out over at eventsframe.com. Make the switch from Eventbrite today to our amazing ticketing and registration system with no ticket fees. It integrates with all the major payment gateways such as Stripe, PayPal, and Braintree. And we also have the best email integrations out there, including MailChimp, Zapier, Infusionsoft, Aweber, Drip, and many, many more. You can use our versatile website builder or embed tickets directly in your own site. We've got thousands of live events on EventsFrame, ranging from small community meetups to large trade shows and conferences. EventsFrame is especially good for anyone wanting to run multiple events, as you can host an an unlimited number of events on your EventsFrame account. Most ticketing systems charge you a minimum of 3% of the ticket price, but we just have a flat low fee with no ticket fees and no restrictions. There's genuinely no system out there that is cheaper than EventsFrame. So head on over to eventsframe.com for a free one-month trial. And we also have a special offer just for podcast listeners. Email me at dan at eventsframe.com, D-A-N at eventsframe.com with the subject line podcast, and I'll send you a special discount code. So that's all. Let's get on to the interview. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Anton Crowley from Dropship Lifestyles, who also runs the Dropship Lifestyle Retreat. So Anton, how are you doing? Doing very well, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Fantastic. Anton, where are you calling from today? Can you give us a picture of what, what, where you are and what you're up to? Yeah, sure. I am in our office out here in Austin, Texas. Been out here for about three years now and have a little spot that I like to come to work from. So calling in from there. Fantastic. Do you know, do you know Ian, Ian Schoen from the DC? He, he, he's living in Austin now. Uh, yes. He's a good friend of mine. Yes, I do. Yep. There's a decent amount of people here from that, that community. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be like the spot in the States, probably mostly for taxes, but yep. Yeah, ex- exactly. He was across from my wedding, actually. He's he moved from California for exactly that reason for for taxes. But uh, yeah. are you are you from Texas original or, or where are you no, from? No, no, no. I'm from New York, so it's the same thing. The taxes just are not you know they're not fun. But I actually I met Ian and that whole community when I was living out in Asia for a few years. And the benefit there is you get the foreign earned income exclusion. And then I uh, decided to come back to the states and definitely wasn't going back to New York on taxes alone. So that's why we settled on Texas. Definitely. I mean, funnily enough, the sort of foreign income exclusion, because I know there's a few Americans listening to this who, who have been talking about going kind of digital nomad. That basically mm-hmm. means you can you can have like $100,000 roughly like tax free or, or, mm-hmm. or like you, well, maybe you should pay tax in the other country, but you don't have to pay your first 100000 yeah. in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, and it goes up every year. So I think it's at like 108,000 something like that right now. And it's it's not like you don't pay it's not you pay zero tax, but you save the self-employment tax. So it's about 15% the Medicare and Social Security um, on I think again it's like 108,000 right now. So uh, you know, it's uh, definitely a good amount of money. So Yep, basically extra money in your pocket. And if you live abroad, definitely take advantage of that. Fantastic. Yeah, it's funny you're in Austin, actually. I was supposed to be in Austin right now. We run, so so my company, I've, I've got two companies. One is EventsFrame, which is a, like a, a ticketing system. And then the other company is Apps Events, and we're um, a Google partner, and we run a lot of training for Google all around the world. And we're actually running, the South by Southwest EDU is taking place right now before the regular South by Southwest. And we're running uh, like the Google or helping run the Google uh, experience there at that. So I was almost there, but then somebody else ran it. So I, I didn't go in yet. Oh, wow. 
Are you, do, you, do you go to South by Southwest? Is that something you're into or does it, yeah, do you just get annoyed that, by the crowds? Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I'm, to be honest, like I, I do like specific types of events, but huge events like that are a little bit much for me just with, I think it's like a personal thing. So I uh, usually go to some, some events, some parties, but I'm not, I'm not going to be there for most of it. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine like if you live there, it's just the crowds just, just go nuts and, and stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a ton of people coming into town. The, the good news is they bring out a lot of uh, good music and, um, you know, different events and you can kind of pick and choose where you want to go. So I'm um, happy they have it here. Great. So Anton, like, I mean, you're pretty well known in, in online business world. I've, I've heard of you for, for a long time, but I guess a lot of my listeners are not in that world. You know, they're people running all kinds of different events. So could you possibly just give us a quick, like, quick overview of your story, how you got started in business, and then we can get onto sure. a bit about what is dropshipping, which is like something you're an expert in. Sure. Yeah. So I'll just go through it pretty quick. But back 2006 is when I got out of school at a college in New York and, um, you know, always wanted to start a business. Didn't know what I was going to start. So I ended up buying my first business, which was a delivery route for a bakery in Brooklyn. I was basically my plan was build this delivery route up by selling to different locations, flipping it, taking that cash, putting into another business and so on and so on. Luckily, though, I had that business probably for a couple months. Then the book that changed so many people we knows lives uh, the four hour work we came yeah. out so read that back in 2007 it said hey you could build a website yourself and i said okay i could do that so i made a website back then called newyorkcookieshop.com had access to this bakery basically made a website selling new york bakery products to people all over the states uh took off pretty much from right away and from there i just kept getting into more and more niches selling more and more expensive products and uh just scaling the business over the past what is it 12 13 years now Cool. So, so let's, I'm really interested in the first part. So you, you bought a bakery route, I guess. So is that how it works? Like people, people sell these things on, they get a, a certain route and, and they sell it on. Yep. yep. So, so basically what you get is a, like a territory. So it's, it's kind of similar to the franchise model, but, um, the way it works is where I'm from in New York is Long Island and there's three counties. So one of them is called Nassau County and there's like 500,000 people that live in that county. So I had the rights to that location. So any grocery stores that they had as wholesale accounts, those became my accounts. I also got a truck that came with a business and yeah, again, I had the rights to you know get as many locations as I wanted and then I sold them the products wholesale and I basically made, I think it was like three or $4 a, a box back then. And, and how did you, I mean, how did you even come across that business? Was it advertised like so, in the classifieds or something? Well, there's actually a company called uh, Route Brokers and right. they, that's what they do. But um, the reason that's what I went for, it's not because I had this like desire to do that. It's because I had like $20,000 saved from, you know, working throughout college, doing landscaping and construction jobs and just doing whatever I could. And I basically just bought the cheapest business I could find. So not a good way to make business decisions, but that's what I did back then. But to be honest, you were already ahead of the game because, I mean, just, just the fact that you came out of college not in debt and, and with some money to spend is like, that's, it, it sort of boggles my mind at how crazy people go in the U.S. I mean, and to be honest, I'm from England yeah. and in the U.K., it's, the U.K. is actually, I think as of this year, it's worse than the U.S. for student debt. We've actually become the worst in the world, but it, it's crazy how, how much people don't kind of think about the future, you know? Not at all. So I went to a state school intentionally because, you know, you save so much money. If, if you go out of state, the state you live, it just costs so much more. So I went to a school in New York. I did have like $13,000 in student debt, but the payments were like $100 a month. So it was yeah. like, you know, nothing. So yeah, people though, if you're younger and listening to this, don't, don't, don't bury yourself before you even have a chance. Yeah, I, I would recommend. I mean, if, um, if you're from the US, a lot of states, some of my friends, you can basically go to a community college for two years, which is super cheap. And then mm -hmm. the state school will have to take that and let you come straight to third year, you know, and that, that's kind of a good way to do it as well. De definitely.
but I guess it's a status thing. People don't want to go to a community college. They want to be at a, at a big one, but yeah. No, so, sorry. So fantastic. So then you, you, basically where you've got to is, so you then started selling online services to, to the bakery business or to, to the industry because you had that no, experience. So I, yeah. I just built my own site. I had access to the products and they weren't selling online. So I thought, okay, let me build a website. I was using Yahoo stores back then. So set up a website. I basically took a bunch of photos of these different products. I started running Google AdWords, kind of figured that out. And um, yeah, I was just selling them myself. And then uh, when it first started, like the first few sales I got, I was actually shipping the items from uh, from my apartment to customers. And right. then after I realized like, okay, this actually works, there's traction. I just, uh, you know, I spoke with the bakery manager and I said, listen, I want you guys to ship these things to my customers. I'll just send you the orders every day. And they had no problem with that because they ship items anyway. So so uh, that basically, like without knowing it, that was drop shipping without me even knowing what that term meant or that it was a real business model. Right, right. So, so when did you get into drop shipping or was that, did drop shipping even exist when you, when you were doing so, this? I mean, yeah, drop shipping actually, it's existed since way before me, like going back into the 70s and 80s with mail order catalogs. Yeah. Most products in those are drop shipped. Um, so like it, there's a lot of different ways to do drop shipping, which is I think why like there's confusion now. But yeah, um, I think we should probably start yeah. with explaining what drop shipping is for people who don't know, which is probably a lot of a lot of the audience. Yeah. So basically it's just a method of fulfillment. So again, whether you sell through a catalog or a website or the phone or even a store, Basically, if you work on the dropship model, it means instead of you having a warehouse or a manufacturing facility that you have these products in, you just have somebody else that has them in their warehouse and they fulfill the order for you. So right now, what you see a lot of online is people talking about dropshipping from China. That is dropshipping. That's not what we do. You also see a lot of people talking about dropshipping using the arbitrage model. So trying to sell something on eBay and find it cheaper on Amazon yeah. or vice versa. We don't do that either. Uh, what we do is just work with companies that are established, that already have a bit of a brand name for themselves, that make quality products. And then we build websites where we serve as a retailer for those products. So right. our responsibility is to find the best products, upload them on our website, get traffic, take care of the customers. And that's our side of the business. Great. And, 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 how's, and how's the business gone? Like, so you've been running this, I guess, for like 10 years or something close to 10 years. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, more now. Since 2007 is when I launched the first yeah. one. So I guess yeah, 12 years. Yep. And, and, and how's it going? Like, how many, how many people are you kind of managing the, the business for now? And so I don't actually manage the businesses. We build our own stores and right. we do occasionally sell them as, as well. Um, we have, you know, obviously Dropship Lifestyle where we work with thousands of people from all around the world, but it's not, um, it's not a service-based business. It's an education-based business. Got it. So and we're so, not, yeah, and so Dropship not Lifestyle, so, sorry, carry on. Mm -hmm. No, I was just saying we're not managing their stores for them. Yeah, got it, got it. So Dropship Lifestyle, which is basically, it's an educational product where you teach people how they can do this, how they can run a dropship business kind of starting from scratch. Yes, teach them how to do it and connect them with like-minded people that are doing the same thing. Fantastic. So how does, um, I'm curious, how does like the whole Amazon FBA, I've been hearing a lot about that for the last few years really. I mean, how does that fit into dropshipping? Is that separate or is that part of dropshipping? Uh, for 99% of people that I work with that, you know, are doing the stuff similar to me. It's not part of our business. Yeah. The, it's a great business model, like nothing against it, but it's totally different than what we do. The only time it makes sense for like someone, let's say I, I don't sell on Amazon FBA, but someone that I work with, if they're going to go on FBA, it's because they already have their store set up. They're making sales through there also. And they're just aware that people do search on Amazon. So they're having a presence there as well. But yeah, it's a different business model. And I should just say in case people don't know, FBA is fulfilled by 
Amazon. Basically, as far as I understand, you, you, you kind of use Amazon's warehouses to store your products and they do, they do the fulfillment as, as people order individual products. Exactly. But I guess once you're on Amazon, then you're opening yourself up to a lot of, a lot of competition because everyone is, you know, people have got a lot of software that kind of goes and sees what things are selling and what's ranking well and that kind of thing. Yep. And the reason that what we do is, is different than that, the, the suppliers we work with, they, again, they're, they're different brands. So when you, you have to get approved to sell for these different companies and when you're you know signing the paperwork, it's usually in their policies that states you're not going to sell these products on third party platforms. So like eBay and Amazon, um, overstock, and they don't want you to do that because then, yeah, it just becomes like, what value do you add as a retailer? So our goal is really to, again, find these products and then find a way to position them on our websites where we stand out and find a way to get traffic different than what other people are doing. So just, you know, uploading stuff on Amazon for us wouldn't really add value to the brand. And that's why it's not really part of our business. Great. I mean, I'm really curious. We, we kind of went really fast through the kind of 12 years of your business. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it, but it, it's, I mean, just from what I can see and what I hear from people, it, it's, a, it's a pretty colossal business. You know, you've, you've got a huge profile online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious, like, how, how, like, how did you kind of grow this business? What was the story of how you, how you built this business from just being you and having the kind of bakery yeah. connection to, to being what it is today? Yeah. So I definitely, I, I, I stayed... Well, I'm still, I'm still small. Right now, we have about 14 people on our team. But I, when I started for the first, I would say, four years probably, it was me and then a couple people max, like part-time. Um, and then eventually what I realized is like, listen, if I'm going to be able to scale this and have support scale with the business, because that was the biggest roadblock, being able to manage more customers and do it in a way that they're happy – um, then I knew we'd have to bring on more people. So um, what I've done, you know, again, over the years, there's been lots of, I guess, variations of how our team structure has has looked. But right now we have about six people that are based in the States. And then the rest of our team is in the Philippines. Yep. Um, we have some amazing people over there. They do our support. They do our sales. Uh, they manage our like communities online. And, you know, they're, they're amazing. So we're about 50 percent yeah, local and then 50 percent abroad. And how? Yeah. Yeah. I, I also have a team in, in Cebu in Philippines. Philippines. I've kind of mm-hmm. been, I've, I guess I've had people in Cebu for six years now or seven years. I'm, are your guys remote or do you have, are they, are they all based in one place in, in the Philippines? No, they're remote. Right. Cool. Do, do you go out there to work with them or do you just keep it all online? We just keep it all online. Um, last year we did have some of the team come out to our retreat that we did in Bali. And, um, you know, this year, I don't know if they're going to be able to come to, to Prague for our next event because it's a little bit more difficult with, with passports and whatnot. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they, they came to, some of them came to meet up. Definitely. Well, obviously great segue to talking about events. Firstly, I'm, I'm look, I hope to meet you in Prague. When, when are you going to be in Prague? Obviously, cause I, I, I live here and I'm, but I, I do travel yeah. quite a bit, but when are you going to be going to, going to be here? So the actual event is September 5th, 6th, and 7th, but I'm planning on spend. I haven't booked my flights, but I'll be there for at least a week before or after. Not not sure which yet, but early September. Great. I'll, I should be here August. I'm actually taking the family to Asia for two months in September, oh, nice. October this year, which should be cool. I've got a young son and we're going to go out and um, you know work from Asia. So got a lot going on there, but definitely, ho- ho- well, for sure, August I'll be here. So it'd be great to great to meet up awesome. and see your event. So, so Anton, how did you start with, with events? Obviously, well, I want to get into these live lifestyle retreats and talk about them and, and definitely I'm, there's a lot of kind of digital nomad types who listen to this who will be interested to come but what was the first kind of event event you, you ran yeah so the first one was um this year is going to be our sixth so it was it was six years ago and it was when i was living in chiang mai in thailand 
And um, that's when Dropship Lifestyle was probably like a year old, maybe a little bit more than a year old, and uh, had built up a decent-sized community, and we were all online, right? So yep. we, we had a, a forum back then. It wasn't even a Facebook group, but we were talking on the forum, and there were all these people that I saw their names every day, and I helped them every day, and they shared stuff every day. And then I was thinking, like, it would be cool if we can actually have people – come here and experience this life in Asia and meet up and see this in person rather than seeing someone's username. So yeah. um, I think uh, you, you said you, you're familiar. I think Johnny FD was just on your Yeah, podcast. he was on. He was one of the early guests on the podcast, actually. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So yeah, I was hanging out with him. We were actually diving down in South Thailand and he has a podcast and I was recording an episode with him and we basically were talking about, it. I was like, how cool would it be if we could, you know, find a way to like, I don't know, let people know that they should be here and like, why not do that through an event? So that was kind of like just putting the message out there. And then basically the, the people heard it. They said, I want to come. And that became the first ever retreat we did in Chiang Mai in, uh, in 20, I think it was 2013. Cool. So let, let, let's talk about that first event. Cause I want to, because I'm, I'm sure there's people listening to this who've maybe got a bit of an audience or community like like you had and wanted yep. to run an event. Like, what were you st- were you starting from the point you had a big email list, or did you have to go out and hustle to, to get people, or did you already have? Because obviously, if you if you've got people already, it, it makes it much easier. Yep. So we had the I had customers, um, and I had. I did have an email list. Can't remember the size. Um, the reason I think people were so responsive to that is because that was that was just it was so 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 cheap. I think it was like ninety seven dollars. So right. it was like an opportunity. And and again, I had maybe at that point guessing maybe maybe there were three to five hundred people in the community. Yeah. And basically, what I said is like, you guys see, you know, that I'm living out here. This is awesome. Like that, and that, that was when I was new to the whole Asia thing too. And I was like, this is just such an amazing experience. Uh, basically told everybody like, I wish you guys could join me and see what this is like. So, you know, come out here, I'm putting on this event. It's $97. And basically everybody that, you know, I guess could afford time off of work if they had a job or was willing to, to take a chance, just, just bid on it because it wasn't a, an amazing experience and a really great offer. And what was the location? What, did you use a hotel or did you go like a, yep. a co-working yep. or something? Yeah, so that's the benefit of uh, Asia also. Things are so inexpensive. Yeah. Um, so we did it at, um, what's the name of the hotel? Can't think of it, but it's just outside the, the city center and rented that. So everybody stayed there. It was like $35 a night for a hotel room. And then we had the, the conference room on the top floor. Great. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I've, I'm actually going to go to Chiang Mai this year. I've never been bizarrely. Even I've been to Thailand like oh, wow. loads of times. I've been to DCBKK for years, and I've got a team member in, in Bangkok um, who's actually, and he's also a business partner with me on another on a business on our SaaS. So I go there all the time. But it's, there's always something comes up. I'm always planning to go to Chiang Mai, and then something comes up, or we go to the islands instead, or I end up going to Hong Kong. You know, like I'm going to go and see it this year. I want to take my wife as well, just to see the the digital nomad thing. It's got so big there. You know, it sounds like people say it's just like you know there's Thousands, maybe even thousands of people who were doing that kind of thing in Chiang Mai now. I think so, because even back then when I was there, it wasn't anywhere near the volume as of now. And just everywhere you you went, you know, I mean, well, if you're in the, the city center, like the Neiman area or even downtown, uh, like the city center sometimes, it's just you see a, you see a lot of white people. Yeah. It's strange yeah. when you're in another country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you go to the hotel and did, did you have to commit money up front? Were you taking any kind of risk about this or, or were you yeah, just... Yeah, it was, it, it was relatively small. I think the deposit was, it was less than 2,500 bucks. So, um, you know, and the, the whole event, I remember it was funny. So 
when we were planning it, um, we wanted to do like a final party. And this was the first event I'd ever done. I, at that point, I hadn't even been to any conferences. Really? But I wanted to have like a good, yeah, I wanted to have a good final party with like, you know, open bar, get everybody beer, get like a big buffet. And basically, I spent an afternoon and I walked around to different restaurants. And it was like the second or third one I walked into. And I was like, yeah, we want to do a party here. I think it was like two Sundays from now. Want to have open bar for 100 people. Want to have a buffet. And what's the price? And I remember they said $900. Wow. And I was like, that's a deposit. And they were like, no, $900. And I was like, for 100 people, for food, for beer. And they're like, yep. And they're like, you want a band? And I was like, yeah, how much is the band? They said, we'll just have a band. And I said, okay. So like, yeah, I had a lot of uh, wiggle room. Since then, we've done events in the States. And money is just flowing out um there it was just kind of that that first one just everything came together definitely i mean it's been said on this podcast many times but just the difference between asia and the u.s for running events is night and day in terms of how welcoming they are how much money they want up front you know like it's it's just it's completely different especially in Thailand. yeah how many extra fees they add on we, we did events here in texas that cost it was over 150,000, and it was no better than one that was probably less than $10,000 all in in Asia. So if anybody has an opportunity to do their event there, I would highly recommend looking into it. Like you said, the people are very friendly and welcoming and it's just, it's such a more, much more pleasant experience. And it depends on your audience. Like I guess the kind of people you're dealing with, a lot of them are quite flexible on travel. Uh, you know, I might imagine where, you know, so, so they, they wouldn't necessarily have a problem flying from Europe or the US to, to, to Chiang Mai. Yeah, right. Yep. So, so let, let's, let's finish off the first event then. So you had this event. How, how did it go? Like, what were, did you, like, you got 100 people, which is, that's pretty decent size, you know? What, how, how did it go? Were there any problems? Did you, have, did you have it all organized in terms of, did you get people to help, you know, give name badges and check in? And did you have it all organized or yep. was it all a bit random? Yeah, it was uh, it kind of it worked out again, like being part of that, that scene there. Um, I didn't have any employees in Chiang Mai, but from the co-working spaces, I, you know, talked to a girl I was friends with and said, Hey, can you help with this? And, you know, paid her, but, um, she checked everybody in and did all the name badges. And then, um, you know, just with the, the speeches and the presentations, um, I just reached out to people from our community that I knew were seeing successes in different areas. So I said, Hey, I would love it if you could speak on this or you could speak on that. And, it just ended up, um, I'm sure like there's, there's always issues. So I'm sure there's things I can't remember now that came up throughout the event, yeah. but nothing where I was, you know, sitting there with my, my head in my hands, like what's, what's going wrong here. It's like, it's like PTSD. Like I think people block out the painful memories. Like, right. it's funny yeah. if I ever talk to someone right after they've run an event, they're like, Oh, let me tell you what happened. And they got like 10 things. And, and like, uh, if you talk to someone a year later, most of it's forgotten, you know, it's funny. Exactly. Yep. Yep. But, um, so did, did you plan did you plan parties like every night or did you just do like a closing, a closing uh, party? So the way that we do the events is I, I didn't want it to just be sitting in a conference room all day. Yep. So we basically have a, a, a presentations in the morning from about 8 a.m. till about noon. Then we have lunch. And then in the afternoons, we get on buses and go do something fun. So um, the only party was the final night. But the other days there was what we call afternoon excursions. That's quite a good idea. It's interesting. You do that. A lot of, I mean, I find myself in a lot of events after lunch, especially after a big lunch, a lot of people are just falling asleep and it gets to like five and you're just yeah. kind of desperate to get to your room and sleep before the evening, evening doing right. you know, sometimes. So I think right. that's and an interesting model to have an afternoon excursion. 
Mm -hmm. And if you think about it too, of course it depends on the event and the purpose, but I know with ours, people are going there for the content, but they're also really going there to network and to meet people uh, because it is so much based on stuff that's not in person, like our forums. So we wanted to give people plenty of time to to connect in ways than just, you know, having lunch together. Yeah, I'm not, to me, people is 100% the reason people go to conferences. Even if they exactly. say it's to learn, you know, you, yeah, you can yeah, find the yeah. stuff online. But most you, you go there for the connections more than anything, I think. Mm-hmm. So, so the first event, so, so you got this out of the way. I guess, did you not have to pay for any speakers? Like, uh, did, you, did you just got people to come and, and speak for a free place? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was just people that, again, you know, most of them were already in Chiang Mai, the people that I spent time with, the people that I co-worked with, the people I had dinner with. So it wasn't like, and even now, we're not bringing in any big names. Um, that's not really our thing. It's just about finding people from the community that are successful and want to share. So we do things like, you know, we get the hotel rooms. If people are flying in from places that are really far, we will cover the flights. But um, yeah, then it was just people that were there already. Definitely. Now, how did um, how did you use this to sort of, and uh, can I ask how many events have you run since this? Like what's the total? Um, so six total. There has been five dropship lifestyle retreats. There was one event we did here in Texas. So there's six total and the Prague will be our seventh official event. And it's interesting. You call it a retreat, but like a hundred people, that's kind of like kind of conference size. It's, it's like a small conference, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a good number, I think. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we've thought about, you know, trying to make it bigger and scaling it. And I, to be honest, I really don't have an interest in that because I, I since, since that first one, I have went to some events and a lot of them, you, you could tell once you hit a certain number of people, it's just not a personal thing and it kind of gets like clicky. And, um, that's not, you know, the model that, that I want to do. And I also think when you get to that really big scale, then you really start having those noticeable problems. So we try to keep it small and intimate. Definitely. So what, so this event you finished, um, what was your plan? Was your plan initially to make it an annual event or did you go away and think about it for a while afterwards? I think pretty much right after I thought, you know what, that was awesome. And I saw how people were responding and I saw what people were saying. And basically they were like, where are we going next year? So, yeah. uh, if that, then I was like, you know what? Yeah, this is something I want to do every year. And that, yeah, it pretty much was decided right away. And did you do the, the thing, which I'm not sure if you even do this now, but did you try to, did you sell like an early bird ticket, right? Like from the stage. So like from this year, like buy a ticket from next year and pre-sell some tickets. No, no. Cause again, no event experience. Like, yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So, so you went away, and where was the second event you, know, you ran? Uh, the second one was in Krabi, so down south in Thailand. And, and what, what was the reason for Krabi? Like, why did you why did you decide to do something different from Chiang Mai? So at that point, um, well, we wanted to switch it up because I wanted people to to come back and have a different experience. Yeah. And like with, with the excursions, like we hit like all the top ones in Chiang Mai. We went to you know the Tiger Kingdom, the Sticky Waterfall. Like we went to the places that people go. So I didn't want to be like, okay, we're doing everything again. So um, I figured we had one in the mountains. Let's go down and do one at the beach. Uh, we did you know like a, a we went snorkeling, we went rock climbing. So just switched up the the events. Right. Cool. And so what, um, how did it go? Like, was it, was it a similar size to the first one or, or what did you change it up a little bit the format? No, I, I really did like the format from the first one. So we just let that roll. It was basically the same, same thing, obviously different talks, different topics, um, different activities, but same amount of people, same format of mornings and afternoons. Great. So how has it evolved? Like what, what would you say has kind of changed in the years? You've run this, so what other locations have you run the events in now? Chiang Mai, Krabi, we did one in Hawaii, in Kona, Hawaii. Wow. Uh, we did one in Playa del Carmen in Mexico. And then this year was in, in Bali. So 
kind of been all over the world, mostly in Asia. And then this year, again, we're finally going to Europe for, for Prague. How did it go uh, in Hawaii? Was, it, was that a big difference in terms of the higher costs and dealing with the American hotels and stuff? Yeah. So interestingly enough, the, the hotel cost wasn't actually that bad. It was, it was better than I expected. But I don't know, you know, so after that, that was my first time in Hawaii when we did our event there. Um, I went like a month before just to check everything out. But I, I don't know, after being in Asia for so long, I don't want to hate on Hawaii, but um, it didn't live up to the beaches and the experiences of Asia for me personally. Um, for everybody that was there, it was an amazing time. It was a great event. But, you know, knowing what you can get in Asia for a certain price, like it made me want to be back in Asia. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've, I mean, I've never actually been to Hawaii. I, I want to check it out. It's just, there's, you know, there's so many places to visit. But it's, um, yep. I've been to the South Pacific. I've been to uh, Tahiti and a few places like that, Fiji, but ne never, never Hawaii. What, um, so, so, so how is it looking now? Like, what's, what, what, what stage are you at for Prague? Have you kept the numbers the same or have you tried yep. to switch it up a little bit? Yeah, we've kept the numbers pretty much consistent. The only thing that is changing and is becoming... It's, it's something that we have to think about and something we've had to think about the past couple of years. Um, now that Dropship Lifestyle, you know, again, started it years and years and years ago, um, and we want people to keep coming to the events, the, the thing that changes is what are the talks going to be about? How many should be beginner? How many should be yeah, intermediate? That's a tough one. Yeah, it's, it's very, very tough because a lot of people, you know, they sign up with Dropship Lifestyle. They're, they're excited. They're like, I'm coming out to this retreat, and I don't even have a store built yet. And then we have the people that have been with us for six years that are running seven-figure stores and they want to hear different things so that's where it gets really tricky do you like do you, do you have any streams or does everyone does everyone just one room everyone joins all the sessions so what we've been doing is we have the first day is the same for everybody and then the other day is we do have uh, breakout rooms so about 15 to 20 people where someone can lead that room and they can talk about a specific topic. And that's actually an idea I got from DCBKK back whenever that was, 2014, when, when I was out there. I really like that. So yeah, we've been doing definitely. that as well. So what, um, have you managed to increase the price over the years then? Uh, yeah, definitely. So the average ticket now sells for about $800. Wow. Um, we, we start them at 500. They go up to like, it, it, they go from 497, basically up to 997 in increments through different tiers. Um, and then, you know, people, I don't know why, but they like to wait to the last minute. So sure. we end up getting a decent amount at 997. What, um, what would you say, like, whatever things have changed over the years like what have you learned because that, that's you've run the conference for a good few years yeah. now and uh, the, the yeah. retreat what, what what kind of what things would you say to step out as things you've, you've improved that you, that you do now that you didn't do in the beginning yeah i think uh trying to get everybody involved and this might just be something you know just of our event size um i i noticed i think it was in hawaii like a few people at the event i, I don't want to say they were having a bad time but like i could tell like they weren't talking to anybody and they were kind of you know secluded and maybe that's their personality but it just seemed like you know this isn't the experience i would want if i came out to an event to network so um we've tried to do things just to make sure that people are talking and this is weird this is something i got from um from russell brunson i was part of their uh the click or the Russell Brunson inner circle thing. And um, what they do, they have events with like 50 people. And basically you go there and someone goes up on stage and they share something that's working in their business and something they need help with. Yep. But then after that person talks, what happens is everybody in the room stands up 
and you pair with someone you haven't paired with yet. And then they basically put on like one song. And during that song, you walk around the room with this person and you share something you got from that talk with them and they share something they got from that talk with you. And again, after every talk, you have to pick someone else. So it's just a really good way to kind of force people to make connections. So we did start doing that. And um, I think it's been been really helpful. Cool. Uh, anything else you, you can think of off the top of your head of the things that have, that have, that have worked well? That's a really um, good. That's yeah. a really good tip, by the way. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna recommend yeah. that to people. Yeah, no, that it made a big difference, and I, I really enjoyed it at that, those events. So that's yeah. why we uh, started using that. But I think also just giving people um, access sooner than later to notes and to slides and to videos. So we do record all of our stuff. And this, this kind of started happening when the talk started getting more advanced. Like I'll, you know, last year I gave a presentation that I know even if somebody was up and running, if they just heard me talk for an hour, they were going to have half of it go out one year and then they'd sit at their computer and be like, yeah, what, yeah. how do I do this thing? So I'm um, trying to follow up that way and making sure like, Hey, you, like, I hope you had an amazing time. Hope you learned a lot. Here's everything you need to implement what I talked about. So you actually, you know, not just had the experience, but get results in terms of hopefully more sales and a better business. That, that's a great tip. Do you, do you have like networking events like two or three now every day or how do you handle that? Um, Oh yeah, well, at the retreat. Like, like yeah, yeah. Do you have like a pre-party and one after the first yep. day, one after yep. the second day? Yeah. So we do uh, the the first. What we do now, the first night is just check in. So like reception, we have you know drinks and food out, and that's when everybody just checks in and kind of meets each other. And then same thing in the afternoons. Every day is in activity. The yeah. final day, what we do is basically we go till like two o'clock or so, two p.m. with the conference, and then we give everybody a few hours, and then we have the final party. So no afternoon activity besides the final party on the last day. Cool. And so, do you? I mean, is are the attendees almost all from your community, or do you get quite a few from yeah. like external people? No, they are, and that's that's intentional. Also, uh, it the. The tickets are available for people that are part of the community already, and it's just because we do want everybody, you know, on the on the same page, um, and trying to keep it as, I don't know, I, w I want every talk to resonate with everybody. So yeah, everybody that comes is part of the community. Cool. So if anyone listen, if anyone is listening to this and wants to get into dropshipping, I guess you'd recommend they they join your community and they'd get access to to come to the event. Yeah. Or if you just want to, you know, learn more about it, I, I've been publishing a new video or blog post every week for like six years. So just go check it out and go through that. I saw that. that that's really, especially for me, because, you know, I'm doing this podcast every week and doing a few things like how do you, um, it's, it's, it's really impressive. You've kept it for so long. Do you, does that work? Cause you set like a routine, like I'm going to write on Monday or do you just, do you just kind of fit it in where you have time? Yeah. So I'm not like, I guess it's, I, I'm not a writer. So yeah. what, uh, what I basically do is, you know, there, there's always questions, you know, when you have a community and people email and people post on Facebook and things always come up and you know, maybe I try something new that I want to share, or I want to answer a question. So what I do is just turn on the webcam. I'll record a five or 10 minute video explaining something or answering a question. And then, um, someone on our team actually takes that video and turns it into the blog post. So the people that prefer to read can have it that way. But yeah, it's just a, it's just a quick video. So that's why I'm able to do it so consistently. Uh, if I had to sit down and write like, you know, 2000 words, I don't think I'd ever do it. It's funny. Yeah. So do you just, do you just literally freestyle it? You just turn, do you do a lot of yep. preparation or you just turn on the, on the video no. and just start recording? Yeah. I just turn it on and start recording. I think, I think you, I think you've probably got to that level because you've done it for so long. You know, I think, I mean, people who do it all the time, they just, they don't care anymore. Like for me, yeah. I get a bit self-conscious of what am I going to talk about and I, I over-prepare. Uh, but I think someone yeah. like you who's done so much, you, you, after a while, you don't even care. 
Yeah, and I, I I get that. The first version ever when I made Dropship Lifestyle, it was like seven videos that were 10 to 15 minutes long each. And I was so, and not, not my face on camera or anything, just PowerPoint. And I was so afraid people were gonna be like, you know, just criticizing it and that I, and I put, you know, a good amount of time into it. And I was so scared to, to actually release it. So now I'm just, whatever, I don't care. If anybody doesn't like it, yeah. it's fine. Do you, yeah. do you recommend, like, do you think doing more kind of video and podcasting is, is good for most people who run businesses? 100%. And the, the podcast is something I just started doing myself maybe eight or nine months ago. Um, and the reason, you know, I think podcasts are great also is just because I see how much I listen to them. The fact that, you know, when I'm driving to, to work or when I'm driving anywhere, I have a podcast on. And Me too. In the morning, I put on a podcast. Yeah. So I think that's, it, that's a must. Um, and yeah, I think video is just massive. Like our YouTube channel has led to just a ton of growth. And it's just a, a more intimate way to connect with people that know you already and people that don't know you yet just to put a face to the the name and to the the company definitely and the real benefit i'd say from from especially from podcasting i found is once because you've, you've got to get it to a certain level you've got to do it for at least a few months every week people see it and, and, and build up a decent subscribers you know in, in, in the thousands but after that you know it's also a great networking tool i mean the fact that i'm talking to you i've talked to a lot of mm -hmm. you know i was talking to james shramko last week some really cool people you know and and if as long as they see that you know they've got something to gain from the podcast it, it's it's cool you, you get to talk to a lot of people which i, I never even thought of in the beginning but it but it, it is a real a real benefit yeah 100 percent. cool well look I think we're just over the 30 minutes. I want to be respectful of your time. That was really, really interesting, Anton. A lot of, I think, tips for anyone who's got a community and, and wants to sort of grow it to, to get their community together. Like, where can people find you online? Uh, the best place is just dropshiplifestyle.com. Everything is linked up off there. Perfect. I, I saw it used to be called the Anton Method, didn't it? I was, I was finding various old links. So I guess, I guess that, you rebranded. No, no, no. That's so uh, Johnny, you know, FD, he promotes Dropship Lifestyle. It's linked on his blog. And that's basically what he calls it because that's ah, like his referral. Ah, got it, got it. Yep. Cool. Dropshiplifestyle.com forward slash retreat if you want to look at the retreat. Uh, Anton, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Hope to meet you out in Prague. Do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events? Events Frame Event Ticketing has been built to minimize the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket. Result? You sell more tickets. Check out eventsframe.com.